Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Living Dirt. I guess I could have called this message Green Screen, but that's only a few people who would have gotten it. So why is it that things grow out of dirt? I mean, think about it. We spend our lives trying to remove it from our bodies, homes, cars, carpets, shoes, pets, the air. But all the while, when we plant a seed in it, we have great expectations that the soil will produce our desired result. So we basically kick it out of the house and tell it to get to work. This far and no further, says a wife who vacuums daily. Soil is made from both dead and alive components. It is the same as with a Christian. You see, it's the God triplets, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that is, the alive portion of our new, authentically born-again selves. The dead or dying part is in our old man that is crucified with Christ. For the unbeliever, if you are listening, you are all dead in your sins, just like the believer was until Jesus made us alive. Christ affects the condition of your soil and can change it, depending on whether you allow him to do so or not. As we go a little deeper, we see that the word of God, the seeds of heaven, is planted in us by God himself. And depending on the current composition and condition of our soil, the seed grows. You see, there are varying degrees of soil types, and with that, we will look at them now. This includes a definition for both believer, those being saved, and the non-believer. Matthew 13, 1-9, 18-23. On the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. The whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 18. Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives a seed by the wayside. So i got to speak to this one for a second. If you hear the word, but you don't understand it, then you are obligated to go and understand it, lest you will lose it. Is it any wonder why so many people cannot tell you what was spoken on Sunday when they're asked about it on Monday? That's because what they heard, they didn't understand. So the devil came and stole it away. Now you're right back to where you started before Sunday came. And this is a cycle that repeats all across the land. The only way to stop this is when you hear something preached, is to make sure that you have understanding of it. You can either ask your pastor, you can ask the teacher, you can ask your life group leader, or you can go into the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to give you revelation of what it says. Unfortunately, too many people say that they don't have enough time to do that. So you're wasting your time, I say, going to church, because this right here tells you 
when you go there and you don't understand what's being spoken, then you lose it. That's why Jesus said in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Is this not applicable to the believer, those who are being saved, and the unbeliever? Verse 20, But he who receives the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word, and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Is this not happening because we in the church, especially those who are called to operate in the fivefold offices, are not equipping the saints for the work of ministry and making disciples that remain? We must teach that persecutions, sufferings, tribulations, testings, God corrections, and devil attacks are the mainstay of Christianity. In this soil type, you can recover by getting back in the race, learning how to go through in service of others, in love and grace through faith. If when these things happen to you, if and when these things happen to you, and you act out immaturely, then you know that you are rootless. Maturity is a natural side effect or a byproduct of persecutions, sufferings, tribulations, testings, God's correction, and devil attacks. They are needed to perfect us. They are needed to build our character. You know how I like to interrupt scripture with a scripture. Romans 5, 3, 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. I think that we should do this up front, as we are told up front by Jesus to count the cost. Here I go again. Luke 14, 28, 38. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish? All who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with ten thousand, to meet him who comes against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. If a Nubian knows what they are in for, not a thorough explanation of the gory details, as already happened to us, because we don't know how God will mature them, but that these things will happen. You will suffer for his namesake. You may be persecuted. You will go through trials, as this earth seems to consist of nothing but. But most needed and resisted is God's correction and discipline. Keep in mind it is a sign of his love for us. Verse 22. Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Note that in all three of the compromised soil type explanations, they heard the word. I say this because we know that the Bible talks at length about those who cannot hear the word or see the kingdom of God. Deaf and blind the blind leading the blind. They both fall into a ditch. Yet this people group heard the word. In the case of thorns, this individual becomes unfruitful. We are not talking about losing salvation here, not that it doesn't happen. But becoming an unfruitful Christian will create all kinds of issues in an authentically born-again believer's life. This soil type is fixable, so get help in fixing it. 
And just because you may have gotten unfruitful by yourself, doesn't mean you can become fruitful by yourself. John 15:16, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. So now in this last case of soil types, we are told that in this soil, we will bear fruit that remains, and that whatever we ask of God, he will give it. Now about the part chatting about remaining fruit, we all know that you cannot throw seed on the ground in its natural condition, tending not at all to it, while it tries to take root, and then expect that the plant will produce much or even survive at all. Same with fruit trees. You must pay attention to them all the time, in and out of season, so that they bear fruit that remains, is tasty, sizable, etc. Where we go wrong? Those in the fivefold ministry and in the church is that we emphasize church growth but not personal spiritual growth. That is, we do not effectively equip the saints for the work of ministry, nor make disciples that remain. It's kind of like catching a boatload of fish, but you're only able to clean 5% of the fish before the rest of them go bad. Discipleship is making good ground. You mustn't just be able to hear the word, but to also understand it. It is a fivefold minister's responsibility to create an environment and culture of learning, knowing, understanding, and doing. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus is the original seed, as John states, in that the beginning was the word. John 1, 1 through 5. 10 to 14. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that Jesus was in the beginning, as he was and is the word. But so there is another seed that is not of Jesus, but of Satan. I don't want my explanation of that to take over this message, so I refer you to my CD Seedlings message for a deeper, scripturally supported insight into what I just stated here. You are a type of Johnny Appleseed, a God gardener. Is it any wonder that God placed Adam and Eve in a garden and instructed them to tend it? 1 Corinthians 3.6 I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Genesis 2.8 The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Genesis 2.15 Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Too good to pass up. God himself planted a garden and then gave it to mankind to tend and keep it. This is an act of God's helping us out always, as well as a lesson on how to bear fruit that remains. A lesson on discipleship right from the garden.
So now Paul and Apollos watered and planted, then so should we. We do so using our gifts, talents, having an understanding of our specific purpose and calling, our personalities, and each other. So now let's look at the source of seed as it can and will determine the fruit we reproduce, either in ourselves or in others. Watch the self-talk. It is seeds. Proverbs 18.21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Since your words represent seed in the spiritual world, we must refrain from planting our own tares. Plant wheat in love. James 3.1.12 My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Also they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So this could be a downer if you didn't understand that you can do all things in Christ, and that nothing is impossible with God. Philippians 4.13, Luke 1.3.7 So we see in these scriptures that when we use our tongues negatively, we are sowing seeds of corruption and death. This is regardless of your soil type. Weeds grow in good soil, same as good trees and plants. So what do we do when both good and bad seeds begin to take root in good soil? Good soil reproduces both a great harvest along with any other undesirable seeds. But equally important to note that not only can you plant bad seed, but we have an enemy that is also planting seeds. Matthew 13, 24, 30. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together 
until the harvest. And at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, First gather the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. All seeds are given its body and purpose, whether it is fruit seeds or the seeds of God, which reside in some humans called as children. It is very cool, this principle of seeds growing in dirt, because I sit here and I think that God put his own seed in us, who he made from dirt. And as a seed grows via the gospel, and as some water and some plant, we encounter the second birth, which, in this case, is the authentic born-again experience. 1 Corinthians 15:38. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. What is astronomically, phenomenonically interesting is that if all of humanity perished, the entire landscape of the current world would eventually degrade into soil. Granted, not all of it would be good, but nonetheless, it's like all of everything existed in the natural world, with the exception of the spiritual world, is subject to return to dirt. In this, we should all become dirt specialists. Okay, so why is dirt so interesting? Well, at the risk of momentary grossness, I will expound on the miracle of dirt and the one thing that changes everything. Animal and human waste end up in the soil. Anything that is flesh dies and ends up in our soils. Toxins of very unimaginable toxicity, yep, it all ends up in the soil. All of the wars ever fought saturated the soil with the blood of humans and animals. Yes, nuclear waste and all of the radiation ever released by mankind, soil. Oil spills, soil. Cities and towns burned to the ground, soil. All of our garbage, in the soil. Rusty planes, trains, and automobiles, in the ground, soil. In fact, there is nothing that I can think of that eventually does not end up in the ground as part of the ground. Maybe space debris, but eventually it will also find its way into our soil. So out of this toxic concoction is birthed the human race. Yes, I know. But are we not still growing from it? Yes. So what is the difference maker? After all, what can take the cumulative particles from our human destructive history and make a you from it? And how on God's green earth do we grow anything from it? Well, the answer is, in this one simple fact, that God is everywhere, at all times, and in everything, as his word states, he consists in all things. Colossians 3.11 Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Yep, he was scooping you out of the soil mix with his hands and pulling and pressing the soil together, shaping his own image and likeness from it into you. Yes, he was in potter mode, shaping the red clay. At the end of the day, he still only had a pile of dirt. Although I suspect that if he is as good as some of the sand artists I have seen at the California beaches are, Adam probably looked pretty good, even as a pile of dirt. But in God consists all of life, so life had to come. So he breathed himself into mankind, and the soil responded, and has been doing so ever since the earth was formed. 1 Timothy 6.13 I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things. And before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Genesis 16.7 
And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Where did that breath come from? Or rather, how did that dirt get living? Genesis 2.7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. He is still giving humanity CPR, and we see it with every birth of a baby. The doctor spanking the baby only infuses the lungs with oxygen, but it was born because of the breath of God. Isn't it strange that the granddaughter looking into the face of her grandma, who may have passed away, says without hesitation, Grandma's not in there. When God leaves your body, you die. End of story and excuses, no matter how many doctors you have around you. Deuteronomy 30, 20 That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Who, what, why, where, and when? I'm not interested in this, but we'll share that it is a strange thing to not believe in the very thing that sustains your own life. Job 22.7 For what is the hope of the hypocrite, though he may gain much, if God takes away his life? John 6.33 For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Acts 17.25 Nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Romans 14.7 As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, in the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now is it possible to see why God is totally against suicide? You see, the life that you were given is not your own. You did not create it, sustain it, or send it heavenward in its due season. It is not yours to take and do whatever the heck you want to do with it. This is why God also hates sin. You see, sin causes us to believe that we are our own, and that we can do anything we please. It is the same mentality that a child has when they drive their parents' car any way they want. Now reckless, as we are with our bodies, is it any wonder why God will be giving us new ones down the road? Still not convinced? 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He gave us the garden, but we still belong to him. I include this next section at the risk of losing you in the depth of the message. This section is loaded, and it's like a giant box of candy. Do not try and eat the whole box in one sitting. Although if you are anything like me, you will try. We will extract one fact from it, and leave the rest for those of you who are ahead of me. 1 Corinthians 3.16 All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There is also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. 
but the glory of the celestial one and the glory of the terrestrial one is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are also those who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Dirt and spirit. Done. So let's define the armies of God to locate his precise location here on earth. I tried ways in Google Maps, but had no success. DECOM defines these as such. Omnipotent. Almighty or infinite in power, as God, having very great or unlimited authority or power, an omnipotent being. Omnipotent, having complete or unlimited knowledge, awareness, or understanding, perceiving all things. Omnipresent, present everywhere at the same time. I included these so that you know he is all in all. We are made from his seed and the very living and dead dirt he created. We are a type of him, but not him, like your kids are to you. Side note, and I know that this whole message may be a side note. When planting yourself in the elements of his world, be sure you are a dead seed. Jesus states that unless the seed dies, it cannot bear any fruit. Be a fruitful seed and be planted in good soil. And who can determine what God can do with good soil and a dead seed? Strange, but unless the seed dies, it cannot live to produce. It must die to live. And as such, we are the same. As we die to our own stuff, it is God who then lives in and through us. This is how we can produce the fruit of Jesus. Without him, you go on producing briary lemons. John 12:24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Well, we talked about the quality of soil, seeds and their types, Seeds are words, words are seeds, and how good and bad seeds are planted in dirt. This pertains to both the natural world and the spiritual world, additionally to plants, animals, and humans. Genesis 8:22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Well, that's it for today. You can breathe now, and isn't that an awesome thing? You can thank God for every one of those you get to take while living on this soiled rock. Now go plant a garden, in your spirit of course. <laughs> Remember it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through in people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks to see you next time in Deep Water.